Praise the Lord. Good morning. Um, if you would, turn in your Bibles to um, Romans fifteen thirteen. Praise the Lord. I was um, praying this morning over the message that uh, the Lord had given me, and uh, sometimes you just get very excited um, when you have a message that you're excited to deliver. And uh, so I wrote this down. I normally don't write down what I'm thinking, but uh, um, have you ever been the person who is responsible? This is not the message. It was just what God put on my heart after I finished my message. And uh, have you ever been the person responsible to deliver good news? Like you knew it was really good news, and you were the one that gets a chance to tell people about it. And... Um, you know, I've had a chance to deliver good news, but I, I, I think of some of the times, like if somebody were to win a very large monetary prize, you know, they had this giant drawing at the fall festival. How would you like to be the one to tell the person they won the million dollar prize? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it would be enjoyable. And you've seen some of these makeover shows, extreme makeover they used to have where they would fix up their house and it was dilapidated and they would go in and do all this work and, you, you know, they'd move that giant bus out of the way and say, you know, here's your home and it's been fixed up and, you know, like what a job, you know, what an awesome job that is. And so when I was finished this morning, I wrote this down. Um, have you ever really brought good news to those who really need it? It's important to take joy in the beautiful things in life that we take for granted. It's an amazing privilege to bring Good news about hope. And uh, so this morning, that's what the Lord put on my heart. And I was just thanking God, you know, like, man, I'm so excited that I get to deliver this news, you know, because I know people need hope. And you say, well, man, is it as big as a million dollars? It is sometimes. You know, when you've been down and you've been hopeless and you've felt darkness and, you know, it feels good to have hope, you know. And... um so listen to this scripture, it, it excites me. Uh, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That's exciting. That's what I want this morning. Let's, uh, let's pray, and let's pray that God will do exactly what we just read this morning. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, uh, we sense your Holy Spirit and your word to us this morning. You are a loving Father. And uh, Lord, you care about us no matter how much in life it feels like we're alone. Um, no matter how much it seems like we're forsaken. No matter how many times that we don't feel blessed. Uh, Lord, we are. That's just the truth. And uh, Lord, I pray that that truth would permeate our soul. And, uh, Lord, we would sense hope. Lord, we would um, feel the presence of hope. And, uh, Lord, that we wouldn't be hopeless, uh, but we would have it in full and overflowing, just like Paul spoke about in the Scripture, Lord. Do it this morning in every heart, Lord. In uh, your name we pray, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you, Lord. Um, another one in Jeremiah, and this one we take for granted. 
Jeremiah 29.11, very well-known verse. But um, I think a lot of times when we read this verse, we focus on the word prosper. And we don't always focus on the word hope. But if you look at what God's promising here, He's not only promising to prosper you, but if you'll notice real carefully, He's promising that He wants to give you hope. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, and sometimes we stop. And not to harm you. Plans to give you what? Hope. I want to give you hope, and I want to give you a future. The title of my message this morning is The Presence of Hope. The Presence of Hope. And um, the presence of hope is a lot harder to recognize than you would think. Um, Have you ever been walking along talking to somebody and they just stopped and you're still walking and you're still talking and you're still assuming you're in a conversation? (laughs) Have you ever done that? And uh, so you've got your friend next to you, you're talking, carrying on a conversation, you keep walking and everybody thinks you're talking to yourself. Um, but you find yourself friendless. You know, you had a friend, you had somebody to share things with, somebody to talk to. They dropped out for whatever reason, and there you are, friendless. And um, this is what happens with hope. Um, hope can be with you, and then you can lose it. And you can be walking along, and you can all of a sudden be hopeless and not even realize it. And you say, but I'm a Christian. (laughs) I'm just like Paul said, I'm full of hope and I'm overflowing all the time. But that's just not the truth. You can lose hope as a Christian and not even recognize it. And uh, you can be walking along as a Christian. And just be honest with me this morning, how many ever walked along and in a moment felt hopeless? As a Christian. Can anybody be honest and say, Man, I was doing really well, and then all of a sudden I found myself without a friend. <laughs> yeah, found myself forsaken, found myself alone, found myself in darkness, found myself hopeless. And so as Christians, we've got to recognize hope. And hope has some qualities that makes it very easy to wake up one day and not have it. And so we've got to recognize what it is and how to have it all the time. Because if hope ever leaves you, Um, we're in bad shape. It's hard to cope with life. It's hard to live life. It's hard to enjoy life uh, when you're hopeless. And so you don't want to find yourself there for very long. You want to quickly, you know, uh, find out where is my source of hope and how can I get it back and how can I not feel this way anymore because you get into hopelessness and it's just like a chain around your ankle and you're in an ocean. And the longer it's on your ankle, the deeper it's going to take you until you can cut that thing off and say, you know what, I need hope again. I need to live in hope. I need to swim in hope. I need to, you know, be full and overflowing like Paul said in the Scripture. So let's look at hope. Let's first of all define hope. Um, Go to Hebrews chapter 11. And the first thing we find out about hope is... Hope and faith are inseparable. They are, hope cannot survive without faith, 
and faith cannot survive without hope. They're inseparable, and um, they feed off of each other. One fuels the other, and the other fuels the one. And so when you look at it, it says, now faith is what? Verse 1. Faith is, and I'm going to go from the NIV first and then the King James. It says, faith is confidence. Oh, wow, I've got, I'm full of faith. I'm overconfident. We can't stop there, right? <laughs> we'll be in bad shape if we stop there. Faith is confidence in something. It's, it's confidence in what we hope for. So faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So if I can't see it, what is it? Invisible. (laughs) So she's with me, hope, but she's invisible. So I need to know that I have it, and this is not the only place it's going to say that. Every time we see it mentioned, it's not something visible that you can see, which makes it hard to know if I have it or not. And so as you begin to look at them, um, it says, it's the assurance of what we do not see. It says, but this, in verse 2, is what the ancients were commended for. So they were commended by having faith, in hope that they can't see. And so I want you to see in verse 3, by faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command. So we say to ourselves, okay, I walk around, I look, and I start singing that song, you know, about all the beautiful things in creation, right? Um, I can't do the voice, Brian probably could. But you do all the, the song about all the beautiful creation, the mountains, the stars, the, the sun, the, you know, everything beautiful that we see in creation, the oceans, all those beautiful things in nature. But then it says, so what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So it has nothing to do with what I'm seeing. It's faith of knowing that, yeah, everything is beautiful. But I have faith in the invisible that created everything that I see. So again, they're seeing something invisible that they have hope in, and it's not the creation, it's the invisible person that created everything. Go on again. By faith, Noah, this is verse 7, when warned about the things, what? Not yet seen. In holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. So Noah's seen something that was invisible. He's seen that God was going to judge the entire world. So in his mind, what did he do? He recognized that me and the entire world are condemned and we better have something to save us. He was the only one that's seen it. Nobody else could physically see that. So you say, it's invisible so I can't see it, but that's not actually true because people of faith see something. Nobody else does. So when we start to define it, we got to realize this is an eager expectation, hope is, of something that we see 
that other people don't. And so we begin to, and you say, well, that's kind of coincidence in verse 3 and verse 7. But look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Okay, Abraham has a place that he's going to. Abraham's like, yeah, I know that place. I used to vacation there, right? He's going to go to this place, okay. Even though he did not know where he was going. He had no idea where he was going. Okay? By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, his heirs, with him with the same promise. Now look at this next verse. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. You tell me Abraham didn't see anything? What did Abraham see? I think Abraham very, very clearly in his mind seen a city whose builder and maker was God and its whole foundation was built by God. And the Bible says he never received it in his lifetime. So he's seeing something. The Bible is defining what hope is. Hope is we're able to see something that the world doesn't see and our faith rests in that. Hope. And if we don't have that hope, we're hopeless. And hopeless is a terrible place to live. Hope is an awful place to live. And we don't want to live in hopelessness. Um, King James brings out a different element of this. King James in verse 1, instead of saying, now faith is the confidence of what we hope for, King James says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So, hope has substance. Substance, what does that mean? What is a substance? Okay, this is something that was dug up in my yard yesterday, a nickel. I don't know, maybe from 50, 100 years ago, they dug it up. I mean, oh, that metal is a substance. And that metal could be worthless one day. It's a substance that has very little value. Five cents right now, maybe nothing in the future. Piece of metal, whatever the piece of metal is worth. Uh, gold has a substance that's valuable. Uh, diamonds is a substance that's valuable. The Bible says faith has a substance, and the substance, think of the words um, substantial. comes from the same word. Is the substance of your hope substantial? Or not. Meaning, if my hope is in money, right? If that's the substance that I hope for, one day I might have a whole bank account full of these. And that's the substance that I hope for. And my whole family might be falling apart. My relationships might fall apart. Because that's the substance I hope for. But... You can also, uh, your substance could be, I want to have a husband or a wife. And 30 years later, that's the substance that you hope for. And then you roll over one morning and say, I love them, but it's not enough to get rid of my hopelessness. Because the hope can only be filled in the faith in something that we see that the world doesn't see. It has to be otherworldly. It has to be out of this world. 
It has to be what uh, Hebrews calls an anchor for our soul. The Bible says there's an anchor in the throne room of God, and it literally pulls us in. And so if our hope is in this world, how many of you know everything that is not eternal will disappoint us? And so hope cannot be of earthly substance. It has to be beyond this world or it's always going to disappoint. And it's saying that their faith was of a substance that was eternal. Their faith was of a city whose builder and maker was God. And guess what? Abraham was never disappointed. Abraham right now is not disappointed. He's saying, you know what? The substance of this was, was everything I'd hoped for and more. And uh, so we, we've got to make sure what is our substance of what we hope for, because that's what our faith will rest in. And our faith will be strong if we have the right hope, and, um, and they'll feed off of each other. If you lose hope, guess what will happen to your faith? It'll shrivel. But if you have the right substance in your hope, then your faith will grow strong. <clears throat> Here's the next thing. It is always invisible. Everywhere you look. Um, faith is what we hope for. Okay, look at 2 Corinthians 4.18. Let me go there. So, 2 Corinthians 4.18, we fix our eyes. Okay, simple enough. How many can do that? How many can fix your eyes? Focus in. All right, everybody focus in. Get a focal point. Now I'm nervous. Everybody's looking at me. I feel really self-conscious now. But get a focal point. Okay, we can all focus, right? This is easy. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. That is not as easy, okay? Now, everybody get a focal point. Let's look at what's unseen. How we do that. That doesn't sound logical, does it? It's invisible. In fact, he goes on just in case you're wondering. He says, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is what? Eternal. So we've got to fix our eyes on what's unseen and eternal. And how, many, how often do we fix our eyes on that which is eternal? seen, and temporary. How much of our anxiety and how much of our stress and how much of our depression is because we've fixed our eyes on things that are seen and not eternal? But the Bible says fix your eyes on unseen and eternal. Romans 8.24 says, For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is what? No hope at all. It's invisible again. For this is the hope we were saved. So what hope were you saved in? Something that's invisible. <laughs> okay, good luck. Right? Hope. This is the hope we were saved. The hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? So if you already have it, then it's in this world. But if you don't have it, it's something we're moving towards, right? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So it's something we're waiting for, but we think about all the time. We're focused on it. We're fixed on it. It's invisible. And if we lose it, we may not notice it. You know, it may leave us and we might be hopeless. And we're like, man, when did, when did hope leave me? 
and I don't even, I didn't even notice it was gone, you know, and it's because your eyes are fixed on things in this world. But if we can focus back on the things that are eternal, <clears throat> then hope is real. Let me look at the context of 824. If he says, for in this hope we were saved, I think I want to know what the context is. What hope are you talking about, Paul? So we know what hope is, so really define it well, right? Here's the context of Romans 8.24. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Let me take the us out of there. Read it with me. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in me. What I'm going through right now doesn't compare with what's going to be revealed in me. Wow, that's scary. What's going to be revealed in me? I don't even know things were going on in me. All right. Let's read what he says. For the creation waits in what? Eager expectation. Eager expectation. You know, hope is, that's a great definition. Our faith is an eager expectation. That's what hope is. How many know that expectation, you say, well, that's not that big of a deal. What's expectation do? It's everything. It's everything in life. You know what your expectation for that day is, is probably how that day is going to turn out. And if you have an eager expectation for whatever Paul's talking about here, it's going to end up in our salvation. All right, this is the hope that we, he's talking about. So for the creation, what's happening in us? For the creation waits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to what? Frustration. Not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in what? Hope. That the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. I mean, no, that's true. This life sometimes feels like a groaning and a frustration, and, and all of us should have an eager expectation that something's getting ready to be revealed. Soon enough. How soon? Well, as soon as we leave this world, it's going to be revealed. That's an eager expectation to have. And it says, Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, what do we do? We are groaning inwardly. Some of you groan inwardly and you just thought you hadn't eaten for a while. But how many know there's a spirit that groans inwardly with an eager expectation, excited about whatever God's getting ready to do? It's getting ready to happen. You know, as soon as we leave this world, we're not far away from it. The older I am, the closer I am, right? So the more hope I have, the more excitement I have, the older I get. You say, well, wait a minute, I was groaning because I was getting older. No, you get older, you get more excited because I'm closer, because this frustrating world is almost done, and I've got this hope, this eager expectation of what's getting ready to happen, and every day I'm excited because of the eager expectation and the excitement of what's about to happen inside of me. All right? And he says, I groan inwardly as we wait eagerly. There's eagerly again. I think it's working. That pulled away too much? All right. But look at that. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly. For our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, 
For in this, and there's that word again, in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we uh, do not yet have, we wait patiently. How many can wait? I mean, I'm eager. Man, I'm eager, but I guess I'll wait. You know, I guess I'll wait, Lord. But how many know that's what we're doing right now? We're waiting patiently. We're eagerly expecting. That's the hope. If you lose that as a Christian, let me know you're going to be depressed. You're going to be down. when You're going to walk along and you're going to say, man, i got this hope. I'm eagerly expecting. I'm excited about what the Lord's going to do. And then all of a sudden, hope just leaves you. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, man, why is life so hard? And why am I so frustrated? And why am I depressed all the time? Why am I lashing out at people around me? Because hope, the invisible hope, left you and you didn't even notice. And Paul, what did Paul say in the beginning? We want to overflow with it. We want to overflow with it at all times because that we're eagerly anticipating it. Okay, why have hope? Why have hope? Why? That's a good question to ask. Because without it, we live hopeless lives. Very simple. Simple to us, but not simple to everybody. You know, some people have lived their whole life without hope and don't even know it. They've never had hope. Their hope is a, a, a you know, promotion. Their hope is make a little bit more money. Their hope is a nice vacation. How many know that can't sustain a human soul? A human soul, that's why you've got a size. They always say there's a place in your heart that only God can fill, and that's what it is. The excitement of the things of this world are not enough to sustain a soul. That's why Jesus said, man cannot eat by bread alone. You can't be sustained by the things of this world because there's not enough hope in this world to sustain a soul. You'll be depressed. But the hope that comes from heaven will sustain a soul. You'll eagerly await through the hardest of times, and Paul will say that later. I'll get that verse toward the end here, but... In fact, I put down here, without hope we live hopeless lives. And then I put down, have you ever felt hopeless? And have you ever lived for a little while in hopelessness? And I have. I've been without it as a Christian at times. You know, because you've you got to stay focused on things that are eternal. Hallelujah. Uh, number four, where can I find hope? Boy, it would be really nice. I wish they had a sell on it on Amazon. You know, like Prime. Amazon, you know, days, and there's just a big thing, you know, you can get it and it delivered at your door. You don't even have to leave the house. You don't have to get out of your pajamas. Go to the door, open the box. Hey, look, hope. Just what I wanted. So where do we get it at? We need to know that. We need to know where do I get hope. Romans fifteen thirteen, the one we read at the beginning, may the God of hope, oh, so there's a God of hope, Fill you with all joy and peace as what? You trust in Him. So that that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So God is the God of hope and He he fills you with, uh, from the Holy Spirit, He'll fill you up with hope if you'll ask. Hallelujah. Romans 8.24, we said the hope you were saved. Jeremiah 29.11, it says God wants you to have it. He plans to give you hope and a future, so He wants you to have it. The Holy Spirit will give it. 
And the third one, this is the hope by which we were saved. So don't lose it. Romans 12.12 says this. This is Paul speaking. Be joyful in hope. Can we do that? If we're being commanded to do it, then we should get up every day and think to ourselves, be joyful in hope. So how do I do that? Well, everything's going wrong in my life, but you can't crush my hope. No matter where I... You know, you know, you know how many people that have lived in this world that have had the worst lives that you can possibly imagine. There have been people that have read that scripture in prisons for life. You know, there are people in that that have read that that have had a death sentence of cancer. You know, there are people that have read that with the worst situations. In fact, Paul would be one of them, the one that wrote this. And it says, be joyful in hope. What do you think Paul was being joyful of when he was beaten half to death, sitting in a prison and singing hymns. (laughs) He was joyful in the hope to come. He was so joyful in the hope to come. In fact, Jesus on the cross, I believe, was uh, joyful in the hope to come. In fact, the Bible says that he was. Psalm 147.11, The Lord delights in those who fear Him, who put their hope in His unfailing love. And you sometimes we focus on our performance. Like, can I maintain this hope thing? Man, this is going to be hard. I've got to really focus, focus. Focus in, Jed. Focus. Today, focusing on hope. But the focus shouldn't be on me. The focus is on His unfailing love. You know, I did a word study on that. Do you know what unfailing means in the Hebrew? Word studies are amazing, aren't they? That was such a good rendering of that word. It does not fail, and that just blows my mind. His love does not fail. And so I can trust in, in, in Christ's unfailing love. That means if it looks the very darkest and the very worst and the most difficult it can possibly be, I can trust in His unfailing love. It says the Lord delights in those that fear Him who put their hope in His unfailing love. So where's my hope at? It's in His unfailing love. You know, I'm never going to lose hope because His love never fails. Hallelujah. Proverbs 23, 18. There is surely... I'm going to do this again. I'm going to test you. Your Hebrew. You know what surely means? That it's very sure. I'm sorry. I'm so deep sometimes I don't think people can get me. You know, and I'm so dumb. Remember, I've got a lot of dad jokes. I'm sorry. I can't avoid it. Six kids, you know. There is surely a future hope for you. And your hope will not be cut off. So I don't have to worry that I'm not the favorite kid. All right, it says there is surely a future hope for you. Your hope will not be cut off. So I can trust in His unfailing love. I can trust that He's not going to cut me off. Psalm 62.5, Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from Him. 
I think David understood hope, don't you? Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress and I will not be shaken. I mean, I think we need to get up every morning and read verses like that. My hope is in Him. I find rest in God. Boy, what an awesome thing to write. I wish I would have wrote that. That's awesome. Number five, how do I know that I have it? This is a good one. This is my favorite part of it. How do I know that I have this hope? Don't you want to know that you have it? Don't you want to know that hope hasn't left you? Don't you want to know that you're walking in that hope? And so I started praying, God, what is? how do I know that I have it? How do I know that it's here? How many have ever... Um, how many have ever been really excited, had an eager expectation to do something? It's like, let me, let me just play through this. I am so excited about the fall festival. Man, you have no idea how excited this guy is. How many know somebody like that? I am the most excited about the fall festival. Everybody knows somebody like that. I've saved my money all year. This is my thing. I take off work every day. I've got an eager expectation for the fall festival. And then you get down there, and you wait in line for some food. You eat more food, you eat more food, you eat more food. And then your kid says, hey, let's go on that spinny ride. And then, you know, you realize at your age you can't go on the spinny rides anymore. And then, you know, then you're on the side of the curb, and, you know, and, you know, you know how it goes. Right, eager expectation, and sometimes it doesn't live up to the expectation. <laughs> you know, sometimes it does. Sometimes, how many have ever had it not live up to the expectation? Something you were eagerly anticipating doing, not living up to the expectations. How many have had something pretty much live up to it? Like, man, that was as good as I expected it to be and maybe better. You know, we've had both of those things as human beings. And... um so I started praying, God, how do I know that I have hope? Because hope says, listen to this in Proverbs thirteen twelve. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is like a tree of life. So that means when I have to wait, it makes me sick. I can't hardly handle it. But when I finally get it, then it's like better than the tree of life. How many have ever had that feeling? Like, man, this is like the tree of life right here. This is awesome. And so, number one, the first way you know you have it is because you, every day that you're away from being with the Lord, it makes your heart a little bit sick. How many have ever felt that way? Um, there's a story about grade school kids. And it says that they... Um, they went to the grade school kids and they said, hey, who wants to go to Disney World? And these kids just went crazy. I mean, all their hands went up and they were all excited. And they're like, do you want to go? Do you want to go? Do you want to go? And then they came back in the same room said, who wants to go to heaven? And no excitement. And, and you know, sometimes that's how we think. Like, we want to go to heaven, but just not right now. Because somehow we think that it's better here than being with the Lord. Even though everything in the Bible says it's to our advantage to be with Him. And there comes a point though, and 
I was told this a long time ago. I read it in a book and remembered it. You know, for a while, when you row a boat through the lake, for a while you look at the one shore, that's all you can see. You don't really see the coming shore. And so everything about you is connected to that shore. Then as you keep going a little further, and you see everybody accumulating on the other side, then all of a sudden, that's all you can think about. And you lose your connection to the other one. And and what God wants us to do is to be so connected to Him that our anticipation... That like every day I'm not with the Lord, like you get to the point where you're like, I want to be here totally because I love my family and I love people. And I want to share Christ with people. But one way that you know hope is you just have an eager expectation to be with the Lord. It's like, man, I want to be with the Lord. I mean, I'm totally sold on this thing. I like, you know, it doesn't take very long look around this world and realize it's not what God wanted for us for eternity. <laughs> okay, I want eternity. I want to be with the Lord. And so one of the ways you know you have hope is it just makes your heart sick every day because you want to be with Him. And I think that's a good way to know you have it. Um, the second thing I wrote down just from praying and thinking about it is you know you have it when you want to share it with people. It's like when you, if you can look at somebody, your worst enemy, and you could not say to yourself, man, I wish they had the hope that I have. If you, if you can look at anybody in this world and not say, man, I want them to have what I have, you may not have it. Because there's not a person that I look at that I don't say to myself, I wish, that they ha- I, wish I could share the hope that I have in Christ. Because that's all I have. You know, it's all I want. I could lose everything else, but the hope is the only thing that I need. You know, I have to have that hope to live. And so you know you have it uh, because you want to share it. You know, because you're sick, because you want to be with Him, because you always want to share it with other people, that hope that you have. I'm going to close with this, and you can stand to your feet. The Bible says in Psalm 84.11, it says, No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. And let me give you one more. Romans 5.5 came to my heart while we were worshiping. It says, And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit that was given to us. You hear that? The fall festival may disappoint sometimes. I know that's, I shouldn't say that. I mean, I get a lot of trouble for saying that. But hope never disappoints. Hope never disappoints. (laughs) I love that. And it's being poured out in our hearts through the love of God, through the Holy Spirit. So how many want that? I mean, I, I was so excited to deliver this message. I hope you guys were as excited to listen to me talk as I was to deliver it. But, uh, let's just pray. In fact, I put on here my closing here. Pray for hope. And so everybody in your own words and in your own heart say, God, fill me with that hope. I mean, no, we can't treat people the way God wants us to treat them if we don't have hope. And so we need to be full of it, overflowing, and just pray, God, for more of that hope because that's the only way we're going to share it with anybody.
just to be full of it, you know, and just live in it. Not live in the temporal world. Not live on the, you know, the temporal world is like, I got to pay a bill. I got to go to work. I got my body hurts, you know. That's all the temporal stuff. Man, eager anticipation of being with the Lord every day. Have you ever known somebody like that? Every day it's an eager anticipation. And you can tell they're eager to be with the Lord every day. And you know you can be with the Lord every day. <laughs> Hallelujah. We can fulfill that here while we're waiting patiently to be there. Hallelujah. Let's do it. Let's just pray for God to fill us with hope. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, right now as we worship together, Father, right now fill us with hope, Lord. Father, put that joy, Lord God, the joy that made Paul sing in a prison cell. All to sing hymns joyfully, Lord God, while after being beaten. Father, the joy, Lord God. Oh, let it overflow, Lord God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Do it in each one of us, Lord. Lord, we don't want to live a joyless, hopeless life. We want to be full of your joy at all times, Lord. Do it now, Lord, for every circumstance. find yourself as to pray. If you need prayer, we're here for you. We'll pray with you. You know, there's some days, uh, well, it's loud. Some days you feel like you could worship all day long. Spirit ministering to people, and and uh, I was um, my wife and I. We don't celebrate our anniversary as much as we celebrate our first date. And uh, September the twenty the ninth was our thirty second anniversary of our first date. And uh, so I bought my wife uh, some things, and one of the things that was in there was this coffee mug. And uh, when I was looking at it, it just uh, almost put me to tears. It said, blessed with a beautiful life. And I said, man, you must must be so many things in life. And you know what? The truth is, we're tired a lot. Our bodies are breaking down and decaying. have stresses, we have struggles, life's always a fight, how many would agree with me, I'm not telling you anything, everybody in here doesn't know, right, but listen to me, I'm as honest as I can be, I'm not writing scripts here, the rays of God's hope shining down upon us makes this current world those rays are so bright and so powerfully shining upon us every day. I want you to listen to this again and please see the things that are unseen in what I'm reading here. Listen to what Paul's saying. I consider that our present suffering can everybody put a check mark on that? If your life is not in some form a little bit of suffering, you're not probably being honest with me. 
I consider, this is what Paul considers after his many jailings and beatings. <laughs> you know, Paul didn't even walk straight. He got beaten so many times. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us for the creation waits, that's us, an eager expectation, for the children of God to be revealed. Now listen carefully. For the creation was subjected to frustration. Not by their own choice. that make you feel better? How many have ever felt that, the brunt of that? We're being subjected to frustration. Not by our own choice. But by the will of the one who subjected it. Now why would he do that? In hope that the creation itself will be liberated. From what? Liberated from its bondage to decay. How many have ever understood what he's talking about? Bondage to decay. Okay. That's a good way to say we're getting old. We're falling apart. We're decaying. All right? God's going to liberate us from our bondage to decay and bring freedom and glory to the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit. We're groaning inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption to sonship. Now, a lot of people get excited for the adoption to sonship. But Paul wanted to restate what was happening just because he didn't think it was exciting, I don't think. He said, uh, the adoption to sonship, then, or, uh, comma, the redemption of our bodies. <laughs> I get excited about redeeming my body. I mean, we would be excited to redeem your body. That's like turning in an old bottle and redeeming it for some value. Okay? So Paul says, the adoption of sonship, comma, the redeeming of your body. Okay, I got it. That's what's exciting. For in this hope we were saved. What hope were you saved? That I'm being liberated from my decay and I'm turning in my body to be redeemed. And I'm going to live eternity with Him with a perfect body. Hallelujah. All of these scars of little Debbie are going to be gone from this body. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody said he shouldn't have done it anyway, but it was so enjoyable. And even at the fall festival, you can get them uh, deep fried. (laughs) For in this hope we were saved. For hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? Or if we hope for what we do not have, we will wait patiently for it. Hallelujah. Can we wait patiently? (laughs) It's not going to be long. You haven't lost anything. You say, well, man, Chad, I missed out on so much in life. You didn't miss out on anything. I didn't get to do this. I didn't get to do that. Look at the condition I'm in. Look at the condition this is in, that's in. Just wait patiently. We're going to be redeemed here very soon. Let's let's close the prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, just pour that hope on your people. Eager expectation, Lord, fill us with your hope and your glory. Oh, Lord, it's not going to be long. We eagerly anticipate, Lord God. And Lord, uh, pour it upon your people, Lord. To, uh, Lord, let them be sick, Lord God, every moment they have to wait to be with you, Lord. Father, let them share it with everybody they know the hope. 
your name I pray. In the name of Jesus.